This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by K-Pop Sunday before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Onyx. Min. And JR. Welcome to episode 29. Today we will be looking back at 2020 and discussing some notable events that happened in the year of K-Pop. From the abuse, to disbandments, to marriage announcements, and everything in between. Maybe. We'll see. So what is a better way to start off than starting with the new people? The debuts. In 2020, there has been a surprising amount of debuts for everything that has gone down. And even our list of K-pop only debuts is far too long. You'll have to look at our script. There's a lot of links. And there's a lot of cool artists to look at that we just can't talk about because this would be a four hour long list and nobody wants to listen to this list show we're not (laughs) we have not perfected that format yet but a good place to start is probably the most anticipated every year what sm yg jyp and to some degree big hit debuted this year first on chopping block we have sm who gave us the girl group Espa, who debuted very recently, November 17th. And as far as I know, they are supposed to be an interactive girl group in the way of having 3D characters of themselves. It's a very weird concept. What do you guys think of Espa? I think because Red Velvet was the last girl group they debuted, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's definitely a divergence from that. I personally wasn't too impressed with their debut song, but I'm not going to entirely write them off because of their first song. But yeah, I think I was expecting a little bit more from them, and it didn't feel like an SM release, if that makes sense. It felt like they were trying to step out of their box, which isn't bad necessarily, but I also didn't like the song. So there's that. But also there's been a lot of discourse on the whole AI element of it and how the fact that they are giving them these perfect, essentially immortal versions of themselves, it could bring a lot of bad things along with it. But I guess yeah. that's that's a discussion for another time if we were to do something a bit more in-depth on them. But yeah, I, I was just kind of eh on the whole thing. But there's still a lot, I'm sure, that they have to show, so I'm not going to write them off just yet. For me, I think it depends on what happens next because mm. it's it can go either one of two ways. I think that either they're going to keep this up and then if like they lose members, they'll be like, it's okay because we have their mascots or they'll dump it because people are going to get fed up with it. Kind of like how like with like a lot of bands in 2012, how they had a sort of like mascot mm-hmm. and then they dropped it at a certain point. But I also think though it could be that it depends on if we get more members. Because considering the NCT model, if they decide to use that for girl groups, that would that would also make it really different, I think. But SM tends to treat girl groups very differently than boy groups. So I think it really just depends on what happens next. Like, what is SM's next move? And we not, might not find out what, like, the long-term strategy or what this group will develop as for another two years, which that tends to be, like, the trend with a lot of groups from SM, especially. Where it's like, don't just look at the first one to two years. Like, look past that because that will more be when they're more settled and then we'll know what they're going to go with moving forward yeah Mm -hmm. like i didn't think sm was going to stick with xo using superpowers i did not think they were going to stick with it that long but it turned out to actually be good yeah black mamba the song that they debuted with was very interesting but it will be interesting to see how how it goes i just i am very wary of their augmented reality like that also makes me think about i I just remembered 
this. Close to where I lived in Korea, there was this 3D theater, but it was also like a 3D K-pop theater Mm -hmm. in that like you could see like 3D concerts from Big Bang and it was like not actually them, but it was like a pre-recorded thing. Right, yeah. I hadn't thought of it prior to you saying that, Onyx, but just the fact that they might have the rights to these these avatars that are very closely tied with an actual person, that makes me even more uncomfortable because if they do leave, do they still have this like pseudo-human being that they are allowed to use even though it's based off of a person and like in their likeness and all this weird stuff? Because obviously I'm not saying that their, their AIs are direct representations of the girls, but at the same time, they're a bit too linked in my opinion. Like at least given how they've been talking about it, I don't know exactly how they plan to utilize their avatars. I just, I don't like the idea of them being able to use it even after they leave. The idea of that is very uncomfortable. Well, considering SM's sort of track record with that, I'm going to say yes. Honestly, the, the only person who loses in this scenario is the idol themselves. Yeah. And they're just so young and I hope they didn't write something in their contract that they were like, well, I don't even care that it's in there. I just want to debut. Like that type of thing. I just, I hope that is not the case. I'm not saying it is the case, but the entire thing makes me nervous. It just, the implications right now seem like they can go in a very bad Are very scary, but- At this point, though, there have been other things that SM and other companies have put forward that were very startling, but then they ended up not actually using them. Honestly, I think it's just like a time thing where like we just need to wait and see yeah. what they do. Then let's jump over to one of the more, I wouldn't say disappointing, but JYP Entertainment did not actually give us any K-pop groups this year. They only debuted the Japanese pop group Nisiyu, who had their official debut on December 2nd. They had a pre-release track earlier because there was a TV show related with them, as there is with a lot of pop acts. But this group in particular is mainly focused on Japan, even though their name is written in Korean in their YouTube music videos. The songs are mainly promoted to Japan, they're in Japanese. They're cute though, they're very JYP. I like their music. Yeah. Also, I was kind of surprised that JYP went forward and did a J-pop group because considering some of the people that are technically under him, I'm kind of surprised of how diverse he gets sometimes because he doesn't promote them usually. Like, when's the last time you heard anything about Boy Story? I don't know. Never heard of them. That's the, like, basically, like, kids that he debuted in, like, China. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he did this, though, because of how well TWICE has done in Japan. Well, that's what I was thinking. And also, like, there's been a rise of idols from Japan lately. Hmm. Like, Utah, consider the members of TWICE, yeah. Which is good. But it's just interesting to me how JYP is spreading his artists and where he's sending them. Because I feel like J- I feel like SM has gotten into a pattern of Korea first, China at some point, US, and then Japan has not been... Like, they'll send people to Japan, but I don't feel like it was as big of a deal as it used to be. There's a bigger market, I feel like, in China for music now. Yeah. Because I feel like there's more demand, I mean. There's more demand for outside music, and that's also the reason why... They've been like getting more idols from the area who could, or idols who can speak the language, but still. It's interesting. I do hope Nisi, Nisi Yu, however, this group works, that they end up 
having a Korean debut, just because I think they would be fun. Currently they're very cute, bubbly, cute, but it will be interesting to see where they go from here. Then we have the wild card of the big three, which is YG, who finally let Treasure out of their dungeons and will debut on August 7th with a single boy. The short story of Treasure is basically they were on YG's Treasure Box, the survival show, because YG is known for treating people in their survival shows also oh, good. Then a lot of stuff behind the scenes happened at YG. And like three years later, Treasure finally debuted. So what did you guys think about it? I'm just surprised they debuted. <laughs> like that's my that's my main takeaway was Yeah. Wow. They actually did it. It was a long time. <laughs> it was a long time because with these project groups or groups that come out of shows, it's usually around, I would say, three months from the end of the show to their debut. That space, you know, between is taken for recording the audio and recording the music video and recording the reality show and all that stuff. But between the end of the show and their debut, it was a long time. So people were also wondering if they were even going to debut. And I think they even had members leave or at least one member I think left before they debuted. Anyway, it was a very long time between the show and their actual debut, which was interesting because YG fulfilled a promise, even if it took a while. To me, the, their single boy, not very memorable, but again, it's it's their debut. Hopefully they'll have more releases than Blackpink. They're a boy group, <laughs> so they probably will have more. Can only wait and see. That's not us just being bitter, it's the truth. <laughs> That's just their track record. Then the last big entertainment is Big Hit, who actually didn't debut any groups directly this year, but Big Hit as a company has made some very interesting choices this year. They actually acquired both Pledis Entertainment and Cause, KOZ Entertainment, making Fancy Child, Seventeen, and Newest all technically Big Hit groups. Even though they will still be under their parent label, they're all currently subsidiaries of Big Hit. And companies buying up other companies isn't a new thing. Not even in the K-pop world, this is very normal. It's just interesting to see Big Hit grow. They have been making a lot of moves like this in the last couple of years, so it will be interesting to see what the future holds for Big Hit. And hopefully they will have some female acts at some point, but probably not soon. <laughs> Over to a bit more trends that we saw in this year of K-pop debuts. So we're gonna talk about X1 later, but a lot of former members of X1 debuted either solo, in their own groups, parts of other groups. Just look through male K-pop groups and there's almost a 50-50 chance that you'll find a former X1 member in at least <laughs> the bigger entertainment ones. Yeah. I know we've talked about acronyms at some point. Acronyms are surprisingly still going strong. This year, there have been more boy groups that have debuted with acronyms like DKB, MCND, two different groups. I know it's just letters. I don't know how to say them. UNVS, which I, in my brain is pronounced universe, which is probably wrong, but that's just how I read that collection of letters. And of course, the EC to search group 2. 
Of all the rookies who debuted this year, that's not from like the big three slash four. I think two is one of those you need to keep your eye on because they already won an award for like rookie artist Mm. and they were on Road to Kingdom. So I think that they're, I don't want to say they're up to something, but I feel like they're going to be one of those that are going to be like very relevant. For girl groups and acronyms, we have Craxy, we have Stacy, whose debut song So Bad actually grew on me a lot. And in speaking of Stacy, I've noticed this kind of weird trend that probably isn't a real trend but I have noticed it and that is just normal person names as k-pop group names like Stacy, like Lucy, Dustin, Wei. These could all be people. Why? They're making it hard for people to find them. Stacy at least is spelled a bit wonky but all the other ones are like these are real people. Lucy's the one I'm worried about. Lucy's gonna be so hard to find. Oh yeah. Lucy I like. It's a band and they have a violin player. Mm. I also appreciate Dustin's just grind because they're from a really tiny entertainment. It's called LPA Entertainment. And it's that entertainment's very first boy group and their only other active groups haven't really been active for a while. So then Dustin debuting and also debuting their subunit Dustin On almost half a year after the main group's debut. That's pretty intense. I wish the best for them. Also, uh, Bay173. Yes. Those are going to be big players. Because didn't they have people from X1? Because yes. I know that they also, they had the duo first, H&D Soul, and then they did Bay mm. 173. So I think those are going to be another, I'm, I'm trying to make predictions now of what groups like we're going to see more of in the future. So I think Bay 173. And also, like, I don't know what to think about this, but I really liked Ghost 9. They're in the same company as Norajo. Mm-hmm. And y'all know how much I love my Norajo. <laughs> So I'm hoping Ghost 9 does well. Speaking of subunits, we also saw a couple of bigger subunits debut this year. I'm always a bit weird about when a subunit releases their song, if it is a true debut or not, but it doesn't really matter. Batub, for you, or B2B for you, (laughs) came out this year. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite song of theirs, but it was really nice to see at least the Discharge members back together with Peniel. But he was without his members for a while. So it was nice to see them back with him because for those of you who don't know, he's originally from Illinois in the States. Mm. But yeah, also, I can't believe they let uh, Changsub's tattoos show because I'm pretty sure those were real. That was very surprising to me. Yeah, it was it was a nice video. Um, yeah. Not my favorite song, but still good. Yeah. Then we also had Irene and Solgi of Red Velvet debut as mm-hmm. Irene and Solgi of Red Velvet. A very creative name giving right there. I personally didn't enjoy Monster, but when Naughty dropped, I was so here for it. It's so good. I... I really hope they will continue to make music. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything else that came out after that, so maybe I would have liked the other one too. I could take a look at it, I guess. Very recently we have NCT 2020. I will call them a subunit. <laughs> We're just going to have like a mini release where we explain the concept of NCT. NCT 2018, I loved everything on that. Coming into NCT 2020, I was excited for it. 
but from home i think from home is what it's called that was so far the only thing that really stood out to me um i really liked how they let the foreign members sing in their native language i found that very touching but otherwise make a wish was okay 90s love was okay i just watched residents i didn't like all of the outfits i need to watch it again to really listen to it because i know they took parts of the other songs and they put it in which i like the concept of but overall it is not as good as nct 2018 in my opinion which is unfortunate but i still i still have to watch some of the other videos i'm not very on top of things when it comes to nct 2020 i wanted to follow it a bit more closely but it just hasn't happened yet so from what i've seen i am a little bit disappointed i liked all the interactions to close out our section about debuts there's been a lot of debuts this year And a lot of very small companies have been putting out groups, so I just wanted to mention some. So my favorite debut this year, shockingly enough, was Precious. This is a girl group from UMI Entertainment, a very small company, I believe. But I love the music video for Bebe because it was like a girl gang or like a magic girl gang. So I was very excited. This was a very fun music video. So I do highly recommend Precious Bebe. And if you like girl groups and you want to see a duo, I'd highly recommend Kimbo, which is made up of former Spica members. They're currently under R-Align Entertainment. Then we have Checkmate, the only co-ed group that is a quote-unquote true K-pop group. There was a couple of other co-ed acts that debuted this year, but none of them fit into the K-pop mold with having a debut stage and being pop music. But anyway, Checkmate's drum. It's an interesting debut. I hope they continue. They're currently the only group under Grace Company who is the people managing them. Hopefully, they'll do good. We also had a couple of solo debuts, both people who were practically unknown to people from big groups. I personally really enjoyed Kiara's boss and I really enjoyed that Dahia of Bestie finally made her solo debut with Poison. It was good. We also of course had Kai from EXO. Then lastly we have Wanho, former Monster X member, finally making his solo debut with Open Mind. When he was in Monster X I was a big fan of him so seeing him leave was really sad but I do think he has what it takes to be a solo artist and I think that while this song it didn't make it on any of my playlists i think his voice sounded really pretty in it they're really pushing a certain concept for him and if you have seen the video you know what i'm saying if you've seen any of his posts on anything you know what i'm saying well we'll see what he does in the future i'm i'm excited i hope they tone it down a little so from the views let us go over to the big news of things and events that happened. So I'm going to start off with one of the bigger things that happened at the beginning of the year, which is X1's disbandment. So they were the fourth project group to come out of the Produce series, but they are quite different from their predecessors in that they literally disbanded after one release. The survival show ran from early 2019 to late July of the same year, And then the boys actually made their debut on August 27th of 2019 with the song Flash. They were actually supposed to have the longest runtime of any produce-made group with five years of promotion, as opposed to, I know that 101 only had two years, and then IOI only had two years, I believe. But theirs was going to go on for a very long time, which people were kind of concerned about that to begin with. So, halfway through those five-year promotions, 
they were going to allow the members of previously debuted groups to go back to their original group and promote with them on top of X1. And there were four members, actually, of the 11-member lineup that fell under this category. Now, the idea of the Produce series being rigged is not new by any stretch of the imagination. People had been talking about it from the beginning, and I've only watched some of season one, and that was after the show actually aired, but I remember fans being in shock at the final lineup because there were certain trainees that did not actually make it in to IOI and they felt that given their track record on the show they should have. Same thing happened with season two and again with season three which was Produce 48. People were very suspicious of all three of the final lineups. So by the time Produce X101 comes out and Evijin Hyuk from Uptension does not make it in, again among other trainees that people felt should have made the lineup, people were certain that it was rigged, including myself. (laughs) And you're right. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Side note, I do want to mention that after the finale, fans were pushing for a Reigns slash JBJ type group to happen with the trainees that did not make it into X1. And this actually did not come to fruition at all. Like there was talk of it, but we never really heard much from the companies that these trainees were under, which is a shame because it was a really great lineup if it were to have actually happened. So following X1's debut and promotions of Flash, on November 5th of 2019, the producing director of Produce X101, An Jun Young, was arrested and admitted to pre-selecting the final lineup of the group. This, of course, threw fans into a rage because of how shocking the admission was, as rigging is not often admitted to. You can say something is rigged all you want, but nobody's going to actually admit to it. This obviously hurt the group in the eyes of the public, and of course it's not the fault of the members, but it was not a good mark on their reputation for sure. Appearances and performances were cancelled, and things seemed pretty quiet for a while, although talk of both X1 and Eyes1, the winning group of Produce 48, there was talk of disbanding of both of the groups. So a couple months later, on January 6th, 2020, there was a meeting between companies, and after a 4-4 to vote, it was decided that the group would disband ban since the result was not unanimous for them to continue. Since then, the members of X1 have either gone back to their respective groups, debuted as solo artists, or debuted for the first time ever, like Kravity, who has two past members of X1. The case is still technically ongoing at the time of our recording this, but a list, not just from this last season of Produce, but from all four seasons, was released denoting trainees that were manipulated out of the winning groups. I was a big fan of Lee Jin Hyuk, and he was actually supposed to debut, so I was pretty upset about that, even after the actual finale, but even more so, seeing that he was supposed to be in the group. But he did go on to make his acting debut this year, so I'm not too mad about it, because if he was in the group and everything happened normally and none of this came out, he probably would not have debuted as an actor. So some good came out of it, but there was still a lot of bad. So also this year, Park Kyung made, basically he made an accusation that there were artists who were manipulating charts, trying to make themselves look like they were doing much better than they actually were. He listed some names, but he never backed it up with evidence. 
So now he's got lawsuits against him. And it actually had him push back his his military enlistment. There have been minor updates, but there have not been follow-ups yet. So we're not going to be naming too much about it just because this is still a developing issue at the time of this recording. So speaking of military enlistment, let's talk about some military fun. To start off with, let's just explain what enlistments are. Basically, for all able-bodied Korean men from the age of 18 to 28, they must serve in what is called a compulsory military service for around two years, depending on which branch of the military they enter. The branches can be pretty much anything from the marine to police and so on, but most male celebrities, both actors and idols, can choose to wait until they're 28 to enlist in order to get as much out of their youth, which is basically what they're selling. Because ageism, entertainment world is cruel when it comes to passing 30. So yeah, enlistments. So three that I want to mention just quickly are Crush and Pentagon's Jinho and Hui. Crush obviously turned 28 this year and he enlisted on the 12th and this is kind of bittersweet because I like his music a lot but I know the time will pass by in a flash but you know I don't know. He did just release an album prior to his enlistment, so I'll be listening to that and waiting for his return. But it's a really cool concept. It's called With Her, and every song features a female artist, including Taeyeon, Yunmire, and more. I just, I think it's a really cute idea to have a bunch of female artists featuring, but you yeah, know. Also, we kind of mentioned Road to Kingdom a little bit at the beginning. Pentagon was on it at the time, and Jinho actually ended up enlisting during the middle of the show and they made a final stage specifically for him and it was really sweet they just had a comeback and while it was really good and i enjoyed it a lot i feel like his voice would have been really perfect for the song and then also he is going to be enlisting on he was supposed to actually enlist on the 3rd of december but due to covid and all that stuff that's happening his enlistment was postponed and he'll probably get to participate in it before he actually enlists. At least I hope so. Some other really important people who went into the military this year from XO, we've got Chen and Suho. And from Winner, we've got Kim Jinwoo. From Vix, we've got Ken. And then from Block B, we have Jiko. So now let's talk about the discharges. Who came back? A lot of people came back. Alrighty, so one of the main people I was waiting for to come back was Sung Yu from Infinite uh, because I'm just I just want him to release more music and prior to starting the writing of this episode nothing about that had come out even though he's been back since January 8th which was pre-COVID and looking at pictures from that time is really weird because everybody's like packed right up next to each other and there's no masks it's crazy but yeah so he's gonna release something on December 14th which when you're listening to this is tomorrow so I'm really excited about that Minho also was discharged along with the other three members that had been in the military at the time and watching them all come back together it made me kind of emotional I w- I'm just so happy to see them all interact again and I can't wait for them to release more music and then Loco got discharged on September 12th and he just released a song with Hayes so you should check that out but also please go watch him play Among Us for the first time because it is hilarious and I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next for him. What about you, Onyx? 
any people you were excited about coming coming back from the military? Uh, the first one and the big one for me was N from Vix, just because if you've been paying attention to Vix, there's been a lot of stuff going down. Uh, not just this past year, but also basically around them re-signing their contracts with the company. Especially because N is such an important member of Vix. If it weren't for him, there would be a lot of things that'd be different about Vix. So him coming back, I feel like adds some stability that, to me personally, the group was kind of missing. The other big one is 90 Liner Onyu. I'm very happy that he's back because I personally am very big on Shiny being together. And so it wasn't just Onyu came back, he came back and also Minho just came back recently. Mm -hmm. And then we mentioned earlier Changsub and Unkwan from ON Minhyuk from B2B came back from 2 p.m. Wuyong and Junkei came back. And then the big deal, 2 a.m.'s Joe Kwan came back too. There are a lot of people who we were very happy to see. A lot of third generation idols. A lot of people around my age. <laughs> it's like the, the one year I was in Korea, they were all gone. Now they're all back. Well, not, they come back early as soon as I leave. <laughs> so another thing that happened this year is that Boa had her 20th anniversary, which is insane. And if you're not very familiar with Boa and you're like 20th anniversary, she must be so old. She really isn't. She turned 33 this year, meaning she debuted at the very young age of 13. And she's been an entertainer for 20 years now. That's insane and also like people really write her off as being old like i remember when she was doing camouflage she was like i know i'm an older artist coming back and it's like you're not that old <laughs> she's a bit older than me but not that much so it was just kind of like how dare again ageism <laughs> absolutely ridiculous yeah. yeah no they're same thing with like um jung ha how like she's active very happy for boa though because boa gets slammed by sm so much mm -hmm. yeah it's like oh you could at least do this for her they also did the same thing for super junior though they they didn't do like people covering their stuff they just had like people like saying congrats so basically what SM did was their SM station released a cover project called Our Beloved Boa, which featured five covers of Boa songs featuring artists like Bobagon 4, Red Velvet, and Baekhyun. And if you want to have a cry and just look through memory lane of Boa's entire career, go look up the Our Beloved Boa number five. SM Classics Tree. It's a very wholesome video to watch. Timeline of growing up as an entertainer. It's very interesting. Boa also had a VLive event called Still Our Number One on August 25th yeah. to celebrate, where she also celebrated her birthday on the same day. It's very cute. It was just very wholesome, and we hope that she will continue to produce music and be a part of the entertainment scene for much longer. So the biggest thing to me this year, and honestly, the fact that it wasn't a bigger deal in K-pop kind of surprised me, especially with SM fans, was that they won a landmark case because they can now use their name and their logo again, and they are a step closer to promoting together and potentially releasing new stuff. So this is a bit of history. Back in the day when they signed to basically join HOT, they signed over their rights to their group name, trademark, 
and logo over to a man called Kim. This person was a director and producer at SM, but whenever they tried to reunite for concerts recently, they weren't allowed to use their name or logo. So like the logo was just like blacked out outline and the name they had to go by was High Five of Teenagers. Yes, that's what HOT is short for. And it's been a whole back and forth with lawsuits. Everyone from Wuhyuk, who he's not actually the leader of HOT, he is the vice leader, which we'll talk about on another day. And then the company who runs their concerts called Salt Innovation, they were sued over this whole thing by this guy. However, it finally came down to ruling the HOT won because uh, it came out that when they signed these contracts pre-debut that this whole thing had been slipped in there. And they were minors at the time and they did not have an adult sign off on it. And that's ultimately what caused them to win the case. When they signed to join SM and to be part of HOT, they thought that they were just signing to join, to debut. But apparently there's been a couple of other stuff that were like stuck in there that they had to go sign and so let this be a lesson that if you're gonna go screw over people and then later try to take them to court try to get money out of them make sure that you did not do anything wrong because that will all come out during discovery when you're getting the lawsuits so shout out to hot because hot's assets have been split over the years and they're tr slowly trying to get them back but you know for today it's a victory and this is the first victory really that hot has gotten over sm yet so I'm really interested in seeing where this is gonna go next. Yeah, moral of the story is basically always get somebody to proofread anything before you sign it. Always do that. And if anybody is like, you have to sign now or you lose this deal, don't do it. It's always bad. Mm -hmm. Be safe. And other fun news, he's joined P Nation. Yay! So she is in a very interesting <laughs> company. Sad slash happy news, depending on who you are. Uh, N left Jellyfish. He's still part of Vix. He's still the leader, but he's not being managed by Jellyfish anymore, which that was the same thing with Ravi. Ravi did that a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. um, sad news, TSD's Johan passed away on June 16th. He was only 28 years old. In our Google Doc, I have linked an article that talks about his life, and there were a lot of things in there I didn't know about him, and we very much miss him. So let's talk about some notable departures from groups. So kind of mentioned earlier, Hongbin from VIX recently left. The rundown is that in February of this year, Hongbin held a Twitch stream that was kind of messy because he was drunk at the time and he talked about other idol groups. In the article that we've linked, there are some direct translations of his quotes that are not very nice, not really professional either. But once he sobered up, he made a lot of apologies and then went on hiatus to reflect. However, on August 7th, it was announced that he departed from Jellyfish and Vix and then he enlisted on August 17th. So we've not had any other news. The main reaction out of the three of us was just kind of surprised because of how fast it happened. But that's kind of a thing nowadays where if Idol does anything, even questionable, it's like you're instantly out. Even if like it long term wasn't that big of a deal because he was bad mouthing people. But to, you know, say goodbye is like a whole leaving him, leaving the group. That was just very shocking. Now let's talk about another departure. Uh, could you tell us about who left from Momoland? For Momoland... 
They were just coming off the already very painful departures of Yeonwoo and Taeha. Daisy ended up leaving Momoland on May 13th of this year, and she had actually been on a hiatus from the group since February of 2019. So the build-up to this has lasted for a while, but it really started in January of this current year, when Daisy released an article stating that her company, MLD, had rigged the show that created Momoland. She alleged that even though she had been eliminated, she was told they had decided to add her in regardless of the elimination. On top of that, she was told that she would have to pay tens of thousands of dollars in production costs for the show. MLD denies the claims, of course, stating that everything was contractually sound and filed the lawsuit against her. And all of this happened before she officially left the group in May. It's rough. Let's go over to AOA. Sorry to interrupt. Editor here. Hi. Just as a disclaimer, the following topic is about AOA and contains talk about sensitive topics such as bullying, self-harm, and suicide. If you want to skip that part, you can look at the timecode I left in the description for this episode, or you can skip about three minutes after this disclaimer. GR will give another disclaimer about this right before she goes into it, so you have plenty of time to avoid it. Be safe, folks. And now back to your regular programming. So this is one of the bigger dramas this year, not specifically because the member left, but because of why the member left. I also want to put a trigger warning here for both suicide and bullying and self-harm, actually. Feel free to skip past this section if that is something you feel like you should do. In 2019, Mina left the group AOA for what was said to be furthering her acting career. What actually was the case turned out to be a lot more sinister, unfortunately. In a series of Instagram posts by Mina starting on July 3rd, she recounted many instances of the bullying and torment she had endured by fellow member and leader of AOA, Jimin. Jimin had the audacity to call these posts fiction, although she quickly shut up, and Mina responded with more evidence, including a photo of the self-harm she has inflicted on herself over the years. Again, please be careful if you do more research on this topic, as there is a lot of sensitive material and you might not know what you're coming across if you're not aware of it. On top of the physical harm, there was also severe sleep deprivation and mental health deterioration due to this. Mina's agency at the time confirmed her safety, and she stopped posting for a little bit, but she soon came back to Instagram, again calling out both Jimin and FNC for the company's lack of action. The following day, on July 4th, Mina uploaded another post stating that the members of AOA had come to her house. She said that Jimin had actually come in angry and that she was shocked at her response given all that had been posted online. In the end, they talked things over, and while there was still a lot to resolve, she had received an apology and accepted it. On that same day, Jimin released a personal apology to which the public and Mina did not respond well to. Following this, Evan C. had announced that Jimin would leave AOA and the entertainment industry as a whole. And then a lot more things actually happened after this, but those are the main things. I will leave more sources talking about the rest of it. But I will say I was not impressed with FNC's response, so I do suggest you look at that. But finally, Mina has left her current agency to rest, and we just hope that she will be able to get the help she needs and recover well. It's just a mess. Watching the whole thing unfold and, like, all the updates for it. I didn't realize it was only across two days. That 
when I was looking back on it, I was shocked at that specifically. But that also, I feel like, is also kind of common with this industry where things that you think went on, like, during, like, a long period of time actually were very short. Mm-hmm. Felt like it went on for a long time because it was constant yeah. updates. It's a shame. Just goes to show you don't know what's happening in the background. Yeah. It was a sad situation all around. So let's jump over to something a bit less devastating. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Back in January, Kichol from Super Junior and Momo from Twice were confirmed to be dating. Rumors about it started back in August of 2019, but both of their agencies at the time had denied it. But who knows? Uh, then on January 12th, well, was just, it says a lie. And all I could think of was how many times have there been like rumors of idols dating? They're like, I wasn't dating. They're like, now I'm thinking about it. I wasn't before. Like, I, know, I think that'd be kind of funny. Like, how many idols went, you know, I hadn't even considered, I never even met him. <laughs> and then also, it was kind of shocking, but pretty fun. Chen from XO, he ended up uh, marrying a non-celebrity person, and he now has a daughter, so shout out to him. Uh, Junjin from Xinhua, he got married to a non-celebrity. Uh, he's the second person from that group to get married. You don't usually see people from first gen getting married and multiple group members doing that, so that's exciting. Chung Min from TVXQ, he's marrying a non-celebrity. The date had to be pushed back because of the virus, but still pretty cool. And then for dating news, though, Ryowook from Super Junior and Ari from Tahiti were dating. So shout out to all them. That was something happy and nice and fun. People love it. Uh, <laughs> now let's talk about something sad, because that's what we do here. Let's talk about disbandment. So if you've been in the K-pop fandom for any amount of time, you will know that disbandments are not an uncommon thing. But unfortunately this year, a lot of smaller groups disbanded due to financial strain and a lot of that was caused due to the pandemic. A lot of these groups unfortunately did not have the funding to continue on. So why don't you guys talk about a few that were notable to you? For me, the first one that was notable was Spectrum. They only lasted two years. And the reason why this disbandment was so shocking to me was that their debut was so good. That the fact that they didn't have the momentum to keep going out of all the groups that made it or didn't make it this year, that was one of the most disappointing ones for me. Also, Mask. Mask didn't surprise me about the disbandment because they lasted for four years, had three singles, but there was constant drama around the group. Constantly, like, members having issues, and it was, if you've heard about some of that stuff, like, you won't be surprised, but still hearing that they disbanded surprised me. The other one that surprised me was Neon Punch. The fact that they only lasted about two-ish years and had about two singles, even though, like, they, when they were at, like, debut and pre-debut, people were talking about what a big deal they were going to be. And then just, it felt like their disbandment came out of the blue. Those were the three that really hit me. So, Min, I know you had some. Yeah, the one that really fascinated me was Daydream. This is a bit confusing because there was a girl group in 2016 who debuted called Daydream. This is not the same group. This Daydream we're talking about now debuted in February of 2020 under great company their debut song was actually pretty good but the group itself had had a lot of inconsistencies and hardships since pre-debut and there hasn't actually been an official statement from their company saying that the group has disbanded but the most recent tweet from the daydream twitter account as per this recording basically just states that some of the members 
have left the group. And then the Twitter has been quiet since April. <laughs> it's not great. And one of the former members basically posted on her Instagram that, hey, this is basically over. It was a good one. We had fun. But interestingly enough, on the Daydream official Instagram page, there are only two pictures as of recording this episode, meaning either their Instagram was wiped at some point, or they were just really bad at using Instagram. Could be either. But their most recent Instagram picture is basically two producers working on a song. Who knows what is happening, but it basically, Daydream is over. Hopefully all of the girls who was in it go on to make better things and hopefully end up in better groups and better companies. The song was really good that they released. Like, the music video wasn't good, but I like the song. And I th and also looking at the comments, a lot of other people agreed. They're like, these outfits, this music video, no thank you. This song, it should be moved somewhere else. Yeah. So another group that's notable that disbanded this year was One the Nine. They broke up on July 27th. They lasted about a year and five months, but they did release a goodbye mini album and a single called Count. This disbandment actually makes sense because they were a project group from the survival competition called Under 19. So while it's still sad that they ended up breaking up, it was inevitable. Two other girl groups that ended up disbanding, the first one I want to talk about is Hinapia, I think it's pronounced. It's an interesting name, that's for sure. They only actually had one release and lasted less than a year because they debuted in August. They also, I want to mention some of their members. I'm pretty sure they're a smaller group. They had like five members. They consisted of some former Priston members. So a lot of people were excited to see the girls back together, but unfortunately they didn't last that long. And then finally, the last girl group I want to talk about is I Love. It's assumed that the group disbanded after some controversies and members leaving, but no official statement has been made, and that often happens, unfortunately, with K-pop. You like a group, and then they go radio silent, and you never hear from their company again, so that's unfortunate for sure. Our final section of this episode is about quarantine songs and COVID charity songs. So do you guys want to talk about that quick? before wrapping up. Yeah, so basically since this episode is running very long, today's song of the day will be Quarantine Edition, with songs released in the <laughs> quarantine. The first one I want to mention is Bumpkey's COVID-19. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I think he won quarantine. Like, he did it right. Yeah. I, f I feel like a lot of people did not do well under quarantine, but you, you guys need to watch this music video because I don't know how to say like he did it right, but if like there was a competition for who came the best out of quarantine, I think he won. He's having a better time than everyone else this year. Next up would be the Millenniation Project. It's such a weird name. It's like Millennia mixed with Asia, whatever. The song Be the Future. It's a charity single which features Intuit, Dreamcatcher, Alexa, and some others. It's very interesting. There's a lot of charity songs going on this year, but it's surprisingly one of my favorites. It was the best health ad I've ever seen. It looks like 
uh, like in Korea, there uh, on the trains, there's a bunch of these like safety ads. But I think that if you put this, um, if you put the music video for "Be the Future" on like any sort of like ads on television, I think it'd be really popular. Also, I'm a major sucker for Into It, so that might be part of it. <laughs> also, Dreamcatcher fans, Alexa fans, if you have not seen this, bummer, you're missing out on good content. We're keeping it for ourselves, suckers. <laughs> uh. Paul Kim, he did another. He did a quarantine song, but unlike Bumkey, I think he's losing his mind. Um, oh poor my guy. gosh! Which I know it affected some people badly, and I think he's one of them. No, you need to watch the music video. Uh, I'm right. Trust me. And this is not. It's not a malicious comment. But for the very last song recommendation of the day and of this episode, since we are in December. We are currently in the festive season, so of course we need a festive song, a festive quarantine song that is. So Hanhe and Yola Young, both pretty much indie artists, made a single together called Mask Christmas, and it is basically what you hope and wish and dream it is. It's a Christmas song about wearing <laughs> masks and keeping safe, and it is wonderful. It's one for your Christmas list. That's all I gotta say. So let us end with some closing words. So all of this was a very, very small list of notable things that happened in 2020. As always, this is not a full list, and we have way more events and artists and songs listed in our Google document. So if there's something that you think we completely missed, and you're like, you should have talked about this, why did you not talk about this? Check the document. You can also comment on it if the thing that you wanted us to talk about isn't even in there. So that we can talk about all the things we missed in a later episode, maybe. Who knows? For our next episode, which will actually be our final episode of 2020, and I'm gonna let y'all in on a little secret. We're going on a tiny hiatus after the next episode, but that is a secret between you and me. You don't, you don't get to know anything about that until the next episode, but just for us people at the very end of these. But our next episode will be full of our favorite songs that were released in 2020, so you get even more good songs to listen to. We will make playlists, and everything will be good. So let us jump over to the trivia question to learn something new and interesting in the next episode, I guess. But still, trivia. Trivia is fun. It's trivia time! So a lot of K-pop albums include a CD and pictures, but do you know what album released with a craft kit this year? So it had a little craft thing that you can make stuff with. I'm gonna be real with you. When I heard about this, I didn't think it had anything to do with the music itself. Like, there was not something that came out this year that was like, NCT did not release NCT and the Sewing Boys. Like, that wasn't a thing. So, can you guess the what CD came out with a craft kit this year? What group would release an album with a craft kit? And don't say Nora Joe, it was not them. Huh. My brain instantly went to Craxy, just because to her name rhymes with crafty and then red velvet but i don't think either of them would do that <laughs> so your men's guest was red velvet and who craxy that's fair okay uh jr what who's your guess i don't know why i feel like a girl group would do that it just feels like a you think a girl group uh, yeah maybe like wjsn i don't know Ooh. i let me preface this i was terrible about following releases this year so I have no clue, except for like N flying and P Pentagon. Like, I don't know what happened this year. <laughs> I will say, though, that this album 
like it was covered pretty much like okay but i didn't actually know about it until i received information from someone who actually bought a copy oh and who knew who knew i do these trivia questions and she wanted to show me i did not know this but i assume that people who listen to this podcast that there's probably at least one or two people who have this album and you know all about this. I have a feeling it's a boy group, but I don't know why. I don't know why. It's not a, I don't think any of the groups I guessed was a boy group, but I'm like, it feels like a boy group move. And I don't know why. It just, it just feels like this could be a boy group move or like JYP just being weird for some reason. Don't trust me. I am sleep deprived. Okay, so those are your guesses. Very interesting guesses. So if you know about this, or if you want to know about this, you need to keep up. Follow the next episode, where we will give you the answer. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us, or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter, at KpopSunbase, or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Also, don't forget that our final episode of the year comes out on December 29th, 2020. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.